Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have had such a demand for pet loss, and we've got somebody on who's going to be talking about that and how to deal with any kind of loss. Heidi, do you want to introduce our guest today? Sure. And as you said, Mom, our topic today is a path towards healing after pet loss. And our guest today is Melissa Lyons. She is an international best-selling author who wrote the books, I Will Always Love You and Until We Meet Again. She is an intuitive life coach and offers transformational programs that encourage self-discovery, healing, and connection. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks. I love being here so much. Heidi and I were excited uh, when we saw your book, and uh, Until We Meet Again. It's such a sweet book. And Heidi was recently doing a program. Do you want to talk about what happened to you, Heidi, with the program at TAPS? Well, I was recently doing a, a program for grief and loss, and you know, it was, a, it was a sibling loss program, but I started talking about the fact that when my brother died, everybody seemed to run from our family when they would see us. They didn't know what to say, so they would kind of avoid us. And my mom and dad decided, especially my mom, to get two dogs, a little Lhasa and a little Shih Tzu puppy. And she got these two puppies and it brought people towards us and towards my teenage sister, Heather, who was living at home at the time, because everyone wanted to see the dogs. And not only did it bring people to us, it also helped us to heal and to go through our grief because, you know, dogs are amazing grief support. Mm -hmm. So losing one of those can be really traumatic. And uh, I know that you've lost a lot of dogs in your life, right, Melissa? Yeah, a lot of pets in general. Growing up on a farm, it's kind of a way of life. And we grew up on a farm on a highway, so add one more, one more extra variable to that. Well, tell us what inspired you to write your book. Okay, well, it started actually with I Will Always Love You, which is a book that um, it's written from the perspective of, of our human, our human family and friends and loved ones who are no longer with us. And that book sort of came through me and it was an, an amazing experience for me um, to get me into this world. And of, of talking about people's pain and people's recovery and people's hope, trying to find hope and love after after such a tragic loss. And I found that when I was being interviewed about I Will Always Love You and we talked about it, the conversations so often went into, well, I remember when I was 16 and my dog died, or I remember when I was 12 and this happened. And I realized that there are so many people out there still carrying around the pain of losing an animal. What do you do for people who are uh, having the suffering? With well, I, I think what I do mostly is hold, help them learn how to hold space for themselves and then find a way to see things differently. Because you know that when you're going through any kind of traumatic experience, once it's happened, it's happened. Like it's, you can't rewrite what happened, but you can always change how you perceive it and how you deal with it and, and, and what you see when, when, when you remember it. So I help people see the hope and the love. Um, from from that perspective. And so and until we meet again, it's the animal, the pet who's no longer with us in this physical world, who's talking to their owners. 
Okay. And um, like, for example, one of the pages says uh, from, so imagine a dog saying to you, I taught you things as you watched me live unconditional love and to always forgive. Oh, love that. I love that. And, yeah. and, and it's so true because, you know, dogs and cats and, and pets in general give you unconditional support and unconditional love. And one of the things we've also been told often and seeing firsthand is that sometimes the pet was alive when the person that, that died was alive. And they were, you know, a lot of memories around the pet are memories watching, for example, your father pet the dog, you know, and play with the dog and be with the dog. And then all of a sudden your father died. I mean, the pet dies and it's kind of, it was kind of a link to the person that died too. So it makes it doubly hard. That yeah, no doubt. And they're here for such a short time that we go through them more often. Do you know, like it's, it's, it's yeah. the fact of it, like, and, and they're so loving that, you know, you think I'm never going to do this again. The pain's, the pain's just too much. And then you find yourself sometimes, depending on, on your life situation, the pain actually is eased by bringing in a new one mm -hmm. because that, that love comes back again. Well, and, and bringing in a new one can be helpful, but it can't replace the other one, right? Never. But I hear people say, you know, I kind of brought in a new dog or a new cat to replace and they have, they're different, they're different animals. With yeah. different personalities and so they while they're wonderful they, they don't replace what we lost it's true it's true one of the things that i focus on a lot is thought nutrition and thought nutrition is similar to the food nutrition we have with the exception that that it's thoughts that actually have nutritional value and when we're feeling really low and sad and and grief and in all that pain we're kind of like we're putting that out into the universe. And so that's kind of where we're, we're, we're vibrating from or where it's coming back to us. And so by adding something new, like a new pet, certainly not to replace it, but just to help us feel better. And then as we feel better, the rest of our life can get better. And then we can shift to remembering like the best memories and things that actually make us feel good. And it's just like, you know, simple, subtle shifts to feel. I, I, love, I, I love this. Thought nutrition. I have yes. never heard about that. That's wonderful. Feed your mind good thoughts. Eh? Right, because if we knew that our thoughts had nutritional value, we wouldn't, we would never have, we wouldn't keep really bad thoughts in our mind. And when I say bad, I mean negative or, or heavy thoughts. We would allow them to come in just like we have some junk food, but we'd recognize that they have a shelf life and they need to go and we need to really nourish our soul with better thoughts, just like we had nourish our body with better food, right? Right. Oh my gosh, oh. I've never heard of this. This is so great. Because I think that we can be our own worst critic and be very judgmental when we're grieving. And yeah. I think we should be doing it this way and we should be doing it that way. And we shouldn't be, you know, in bed until two or whatever it is that's happening. And I love taking care of your thoughts as much as you take care of your physical body. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And another page from the book, if I can quote it, because um, I think it really, it, it, it speaks to what the book says to people. It, it has the animals and it says, allow your mind time to unwind and be free. Be as kind to yourself as you were to me. Uh, oh, that is sweet. I like that. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful thought. Self-compassion. We yeah. need it, especially when we're feeling bad. Mm -hmm. Now, if I went on a retreat with you, what would it look like? What would we do? We would spend a lot of time reacquainting ourselves with ourselves and figuring out our whys and, and figuring out if the whys that we're living with and for in our lives actually have resonance in our heart. Like if we wake up in the morning excited about our day, who we're going to see, what we're going to do, the things that may or may not wind through, 
then we're on a path that, that's obviously a good one. And if we find that there's resistance along that way, we would really look at that and sit with that and figure out ways to see what actually is, see it in a different way so that it actually can become something that we want it to be or an experience, for example. Now, do you do uh, writing or how do you engage people in this? What kinds of things? Writing is a big part of it. Absolutely. And reflection. And I say reflection rather than meditation, although I think that they're they're completely related. But when I started, so everybody starts somewhere, right? So I started by a, a deep slippery slope downward where I kind of lost all hope. And it wasn't as a result of a death. It wasn't a trauma. It was it was just complete loss of faith and love and respect for myself as a, as a woman. And I was 47 at the time and everything in my life was okay. And I wasn't at all okay because I was living a life that was just so aligned with what everybody thought they were supposed to or what I thought I was supposed to. And it wasn't aligned with my heart at all. So I really work with people so that they can figure out what it is that might be like if there's a gap in how they're living with versus 